As a giant child, I fantasized about the drink-me potion and the eat-me cake concocted by Charles Lutwich Dodgson, writing as Lewis Carroll in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. In truth, I fantasized about all types of cake back then, but this cake in particular, paired with the potion, allowed its consumer to be giant only when it served them, and to shrink when they wanted to go unnoticed or retreat from sight altogether. Such shapeshifting is never that easy, though plenty of leaders delude themselves to think otherwise. They eat the cake before delivering good news, or soaking in the glow of praise that is perhaps due also to those left in their shadow. But when things get bumpy, or they want to blend in and let loose, they drink it when they feel too busy to expend energy on personal exchanges. They operate under the false illusion that, fueled by an endless supply of potion and cake, they can move fluidly from kingmaker to rank and file and back again. But the truth is, that can't be done. You can't be a conditional giant. It would be brilliant if you could, because being a giant has obvious advantages. The appearance of having power alone feels pretty great for most people. The fact that this appearance is often accompanied by higher salaries, prestigious titles, and increased resources, all the better. But as Uncle Ben warned, with great power comes great responsibility. The onus of being a giant is unyielding. It requires vigilance from the second you begin your morning commute. We are predisposed to believe in pivotal moments the idea that we will be able to predict and prepare for the most significant events and interactions. We'll see these moments as they approach at a measured pace. Some will even be booked into our calendars well in advance. And because we were ready and recognized the importance of the moment, we will handle it with aplomb, give a textbook response. We'll be amazing. But that's bunkum. That's not how it works. The most lasting interactions are seldom planned, and you will rarely know which ones will be the most consequential. Think about your own life and career, and you'll see that this is true. When we reflect on mentors or managers who've inspired and shaped us, we rarely think first of their performance in formal or familiar situations, the sales meeting speech or the annual performance review, we remember how they treated us in everyday moments or unexpected periods of strife. The ethos of the promises of giants is to approach each moment like it's pivotal and acknowledge that we cannot prepare for the moment of impact because we will rarely see it coming. If you cannot embrace that and start thinking like a giant, the rest of this book will be useless because the underlying premise to the promise is an acceptance that you are, by virtue of your title, your expertise, your experience, or your network, a disproportionately powerful entity. Indeed, a giant. And more is required from giants than what is covered by your codes of conduct or performance objectives. Giants will always set the tone, but giants should never dominate. In most workplaces, it is the preferred style of named leaders that shapes the dynamic of their relationship with direct reports and the broader workforce. 
In the promise model, leaders must tailor their style during every interaction, planned or spontaneous, to engage that specific individual in that specific space and time. The promises of giants guarantee a certain type of lived experience under the umbrella of that leader. It is an assurance that we will view people as just that. People. Complicated beings, not interchangeable bots on an assembly line. The who of them will never be incidental. We commit to recognizing and preserving their differences and idiosyncrasies, not as a diversity checkbox exercise, but as a strategy for winning. Embracing people fully allows them to arrive at work each day with every available asset focused on the collective goals and no part shrouded by doubt or the fear of disclosure. But it's not a one-way street. We're not offering a free or easy ride. Conscientious, effective leadership involves a quid pro quo of sorts. As leaders, we make an immutable promise and set the standard for an enduring lived experience. In return, we can expect our people to commit wholly to the work and to their colleagues, to share credit and blame as appropriate, to disagree constructively, to provide managers critical feedback, and to perform to their peak ability. We can expect all of this, but only if we are providing compassionate, consistent, and clear direction. 